Hello and welcome to the first real and raw episode of Unsetting Expectations. I am delighted you are here and I am delighted that our guest Prashmi is here. She is a coach and a psychiatrist who has worked in a plethora of industries from the academia to the humanitarian sector to tech startups. Uh, and as she nicely put it in uh, our live talk over in the clubhouse on Thursday, she has many hats that she likes to wear. And all of these hats help her in helping you, basically. And of course, those, all of those hats helped her in helping me throughout the one hour conversation which seemed like a one hour coaching lesson and a very nice open discussion on a lot of topics i'm so glad you're here and listening i truly think that you will enjoy this episode with rashmi and i and we are starting it off with a question that i'm going to ask at one point or another all of our guests what does unset expectations mean to you, Rashmi? For me, it was external starting and then actually it was a parallel internal process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I especially relate to is this letting go of titles. <laughs> yeah. Because as someone who's basically a generalist, I really struggle with uh, figuring out where my place in the world is because... For a lot of people, it's really straightforward. I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm something that almost like uh, people identify with, with 100%. Whereas I didn't have anything that I related to for 100%. It was a lot of things in a, in a small percentage. Yes. Um, so basically for the last like, for the 26 years of my life, I was trying out new things, thinking that I need to try a lot of them before I land on this is my one big thing that I am supposed to be good about. One thing. Yeah. <laughs> and just like a couple of months ago, I was like, you know what? Like, forget this. Yes, <laughs> I, yes. I, sh I shouldn't um, try and fit myself and squeeze myself into one box. Yes. Where basically, like, I feel like I'm a fluid thing traveling to a lot of different boxes and moving from, like, in one direction to the other. And that realization was something that I felt unlocked me internally so that mm. I can show up externally. And that's kind of the reason why I started writing and now doing this for Anton Expectations, because I realized that for yeah, for like 98% of my life, I was going through the through the grain instead of kind of against the grain um, of mm -hmm. what the society expected of me uh, instead of what I expect of myself. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I, it kind of, for me, it feels like I have been, you know, like I've been traveling on a road that was already kind of made for me in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but now, like, and 
all the time when I was doing that, it felt like, it just felt wrong, it felt weird, um, it felt different to who I am and that's why I think I was um, losing my mind over what are the things that I need to be doing um, and why I was jumping almost from one career to another to another to another because what I was feeling on that path wasn't aligning to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so now doing it my own way feels good, but also feels very, very scary. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is. It's a very scary because you're constantly at the edge of growth, like another, at your growth edge, what we call in, like, yeah. in coaching, like, you know, where because we, as we know, most many there are many popular sayings, right? Like the prop, almost all the growth happens in the discomfort zones. Yes. Right. So, uh, and at the same time, like the, the, the issue there is that if you're constantly in your discomfort zone, then you're also at risk of potentially sticking to something for too long as well. Thinking, actually, this discomfort is normal. I got to stick it out. But actually, mm-hmm. it's not something that is serving who you are. Yeah. And I think that is the other tricky bit where sometimes we find people a bit stuck as well. Like, you know, I'm doing all these different things. Yeah. But why am I not getting the satisfaction? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very important. Well, for me, my challenge is <laughs> um, how to do exactly that, like navigate the yeah. spaces of comfort and discomfort. Because uh, now that I'm doing like, all of these things that do feel right to me internally, uh, they like I still get a lot of inner criticism because before at least like I could see where I was heading, sort of yeah. because it was projected onto me. But now, like I, it's like in a tunnel basically because like you have no idea what's happening around with, around you. And that brings a lot of uncertainty. Mm. And those, and then the uncertainty feelings bring out the, what What am I even doing? Am I doing this right? <laughs> Who am I to think I can do all of these things? Because you have no way of knowing and seeing what's, what you are building towards and what's ahead of you. Um, do you have like any advice or, or a tip or something on how, to kind of release these uncertainty feelings for you while you're navigating through this, because I feel like this is something that happens in a, in a multiple streams of life. Like even like when you're a new parent, it's basically the same thing because you have no idea what's lying ahead of you when you have your own business and you're trying to build something out of the box, something that's not following the traditional path. We have this, thing as well and then uh in our own personal growth it happens too so how can we best navigate this yeah uh, i mean for me is it is it the question i had for you was when you say about the discomfort of being in a tunnel mm-hmm. would you would you say it is uh, it's also the lack of feedback because i heard a bit about mm. it feels because a tunnel means you know you're on your own and things like that so is it that are you struggling with the feedback aspect of it that you no know, people are not uh, giving you feedback is that what it's about or is it something more than that i think that that's definitely a major part that plays a major part because like we are uh, as founders of like, like companies of one 
we are very isolated. So, yes. uh, and like when we are, whatever we are building, um, we are building for our own communities. And then you don't want to ask for your community all the time for validation. You want to be seen as someone who is sure in what you are offering to them. So mm -hmm. this kind of lack of um, validation, lack of feedback definitely plays a part because I think that for a lot of us as human beings, we do seek external validation in order to um, uh, perceive our ideas and our efforts yes. as right. Yes. Um, and I know that for me, one of my biggest issues, uh, or rather challenges, challenges is validating myself internally. So like kind of being so sure that what I'm doing is contributing to what I want to be uh, doing without uh, the need to seek external validation. Mm. So what else? So one is the lack of feedback externally. One is feeling internally, you know, sure of yourself in terms of validation. Yeah. Is there anything else that, you know, you feel in this tunnel? Like, you know, if you stay in the tunnel, I would say. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, stay in the tunnel. And so give me a little more about the tunnel. Like, how long is this tunnel? How? Yeah. So basically, I think that's what scares me. It feels like, it feels like I'm on a, like on that, uh, it's not an escalator, but that like on, on the airport that you have the moving uh, parts that yeah. move you. So like I feel that, that I'm on one of those machines that are just carrying me forward in a tunnel and I'm trying to look back and forth, look around me, but I can't see because I'm in the dark. And mm. whatever I'm doing, it's like I it like it feels like I have control, but I don't because the pace I'm moving, it's not something that I control. So it feels like it's almost, you know, like that I should be the one who's uh, in charge of how fast that path, that machine is carrying. So you want to be, you want to be in charge, in charge of how, how the, the pace of the escalator or the direction of the escalator. What, what, uh, what, I what think past like me a month ago would say to you that I do want to be in control. Um, but me today kind of knows that, um, life and business and our environments are so uncertain it doesn't kind of make sense for me to expect that I will have control 100% of the time what I think is uh, an issue is that there is no like there's no communication between my internal system and the internal system of the machine that's propelling me forward right so I have no idea what pace I'm moving, which direction I'm, am I heading forwards or backwards? And I, like, I'm lostless because like my, my kind of, um, I mean, it's like, it feels like I'm, I'm sensory deprived because ah, okay. yeah. there's, you know, there's no feedback. So there is no echoes. It's silent. It's dark. And basically like I have zero idea. Am I standing still? Am I going forward? But like, at a really, really slow pace. Am I moving backward? I have no idea what's happening. And I think yeah. that feeling of, yeah, just like not getting the data from the machine, you are going in the forward direction. is <laughs> <laughs> what triggers this um, anxiety for me sometimes. 
Yeah. So so it's the pace, it's the going, you know, you don't know where which the direction of flow and that brings you the anxiety, right? Yeah. And what do you what do you think that anxiety what what meaning are you giving to that anxiety, I wonder? Oh, so uh again, um before I will say like before it will eat me up alive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um because I was always thinking about all of these uh, feelings of uncertainty and anxiety as negative ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I uh, think about them as feedback, basically. So I try to sit with the anxiety and say, okay, so is this uh, anxiety that doesn't feel good, like that something's wrong? Or is this anxiety that something's right and I'm just moving out of my own comfort zone so quickly so that that's the thing that's overwhelming me because like there's a difference when something's not right that means something's not clicking and I should rethink what I'm doing in my business uh whereas when the anxiety is there because of the excitement basically and because of like there's a lot of adrenaline and everything happens but sometimes like I, I so to me like kind of the excitement and the stress feel almost like same, same thing yeah. same thing yeah. and like yeah. it's really hard to figure out like is this a good thing is this a bad thing am i scared or am i excited or am i both <laughs> yeah 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 but you know but what is what would be another what would be another possibility that you would love to explore on this escalator along with the uh, anxiety and the excitement Right? Are there any other possibilities in this on this escalator? Yeah. So, like, um, something that I'd love to be able to explore is how do I feel joy or pleasure? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because uh, my journey of um, healing and understanding myself and understanding my own expectations began because I didn't feel joy or pleasure or. Con- or satisfaction from what I was doing um, earlier in my career. And then I started to, I said to myself that I will now intentionally design my life and my business so that I feel calm and joy and pleasure and happiness and all of these things. Um, But because throughout my entire career, I was only used to excitement or fear. Yes. Um, yeah. It's now hard to kind of um, find and ignite these feelings of joy and pleasure. Like, how do I find this in my business? How do I facilitate this uh, as I navigate my life? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you find it, right? But in terms of the joy, where do you feel the joy? Uh, when you feel the joy? Um, in your body, I mean. In the body. Uh, well, for me, it's... it's a lot in my gut area and then it kind of climbs up so like i feel like my stomach is going to explode so then it like ramps up <laughs> and goes okay, okay, to okay. the heart to the to the smile to the hands i'm like i'm very like flowing with my limbs when i feel yeah. and excitement yeah so i'm wondering how can you make this escalator a floating one right so that you it gives you the joy like that's what comes up for me as a visual mm. like you know like something about and, and and for me the heart the heart of it is the uncertainty bit right and, yeah. and you've brought it up in various ways right and yeah uh, and uh, and there is this something about control which is just 
neurologically we are, we are wired for that like our brain wants certainty mm. right and so all i would say is that to embrace that i almost embracing the anxiety and 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 checking in with it as saying what is it trying to tell me rather than you know where we get I, i shouldn't be feeling anxious about this you know yeah this is actually anxiety is normal right uh, and then there is uh, there is a whole perspective of you know if i'm going to be on this escalator yeah definitely escalators usually are forward like there we i don't know of any escalators that go backwards right? <laughs> yeah so so it's interesting for me that you said that so it's you're definitely moving forward yeah. right potentially you don't know whether where it's going yeah but you want to bring joy and you moved your hands around when you said that right when you said yeah. you know there's a joy and i feel floating then there is almost like you know maybe this is an escalator which is free floating which is Hmm. and the journey and the journey will reveal itself like the destination will reveal itself right yeah and all that you need to do is kind of check in keep checking in with your body and seeing okay i'm feeling anxious oh actually i'm feeling excitement i'm feeling joy so kind of embracing that and seeing what is it signaling hmm. because a lot of our signals from childhood especially for women i would say is you know anxiety and everything is based on perfectionism or kind of you have to be the good girl or you have to do this right uh, there is a, and especially like i i always keep saying if you have any kind of intersectionality in your experience you know if you're a woman a woman of color or you are the first person in the family to go to university or your body type doesn't fit the norm of the thin white woman or uh, you know you you come from let us say a family where achievement was very highly rated you know where it was or a family where there was a lot of uh, dysfunctional kind of you know behaviors right yeah. or you're an introvert so there are so many there's data out there to say that that shapes all of our experiences and the way we are open to uncertainty and we seek certainty yeah. you know so that's why i say that it's a universal experience but it's a very personal uh, mm-hmm. journey you know all, all of these things that we experience like and so that is something if we acknowledge you know if you acknowledge your own experience of intersectionality as you were growing then potentially there will be a newer kind of doors opening for you in terms of how you view this journey yeah as 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 definitely scary like let's not avoid that is what i'm saying yeah but not debilitating you know it's not it's not crushing you it's not uh, crushing you or crushing you yeah Yeah, let I love the phrase that it's a universal experience but still your personal journey. Um yeah. and that like I almost like when you were um uh, listing everything that influences I was like check check <laughs> check. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things that I think um we need to almost like reveal to ourselves. Um I know for me once I started fighting or rather facing all of my demons um that was a very hard thing to do because I've spent the majority of my life to date running away from them and that was my big problem like I was uh aware self-aware enough knowing that if I don't remove them uh from in front of me that I won't be able to go forward uh but mm. what i didn't do uh because i was like <laughs> um scared with the excuse of not having enough time i didn't resolve them as i was moving them i was just like i always use this reference of um 
that those challenges and those um, experiences for me are like stones in the road that I was. But can I pause? Can I pause you there, Franka? Like I do have a problem with the word resolve. To be mm-hmm. honest, both as a coach and as somebody who works in mental health. Yeah. Because I think there is a lot of emphasis and this is very much a capitalist and patriarchal thing. So this is like I, my bugbear as well, where I you know we have to resolve everything in a nice little and tie it up in a nice little bow and keep it aside. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the reality is we have to grow around it. Yeah. Right. Oh. right? I mean, yeah. so you can't you can't you like, you know, if you're, whether it's a grief, whether it is whatever your childhood experiences or whatever it might be, yeah. the more you try to resolve it right understand it as something you know i feel is more healthier yeah uh, understanding how it happened and having empathy for whoever else was involved in it is very yeah. helpful yeah. doesn't mean forgiveness but it means uh, empathy right yeah going around it because that experience is central to who you are yes and i think somehow you know that's why i, I don't like the self help industry as the way it is in terms of even though i mean i'm a coach but i don't like the, this pop psychology of you know do this and your life will get transformed in next number of days or mm. you know get uh, get rid of your self doubt and yeah. uh, you know so for, i think that's where i just feel like oh, how do you grow around it and how do we make a, honor your experiences like you yes. know this was this yeah. is your experience as uh, you know a young woman living in croatia with these experiences in family in everything and now you're on this escalator yeah right yeah so your journey is going to be very different to mine who came you know who left my country of origin i don't know in 2004 in here you know but we are but i i get a kind of a, almost like a connection with you because we are both on our journeys yeah. right yeah yeah and i think that is the that is the beauty of you know self work for me is when we empower people to embrace and not resolve mm. understand and not resolve you know yeah that's that sounds so powerful and something that came up for me as a visual is like basically each of us are almost on like like is like um in our own bubbles of the escalator and like yes. have like there are a lot of bubbles so like you you have your own bubble then there's mine and then there's who who else is with us um uh, there's Liana's bubble there's Antonio's bubble and Sarah's and Jill and that's why we can feel this connection that you mentioned because we recognize that we are having this universal experience but yes. but the steps of the escalator um are made by our own personalized experience those yeah. that we embraced <laughs> and yes. threw around um yeah. through by moving and yeah that's exactly it. i know that um a lot of work in my own um therapy sessions uh in the last year were about under like i was i was hesitant to um to be empathetic to the other parties of my experience because i uh, in my to my mind i equated empathy with forgiveness and i yes. didn't want to give them that yes. affection of being forgiven <laughs> uh, i know exactly what you mean because that's what uh, it was uh, when i was in therapy that my therapist first said rashmi you can be empathetic and you don't have to forgive mm. and for me it was like a mic drop moment i was yeah. like boom like yeah. you know, Wow, is that possible? Like, yeah, yeah not possible, you know. Yeah, and it's like of course it's possible, you know. And so, yeah, so it's not like 
I have forgotten whatever happened, but I want to move on, right? Yes. So I want to grow around that experience. And yeah. if that means that the way I interact with those parties or those people changes, then so be it. Yeah. But that is not, that is, that's not a reflection of, uh, of, of what it did to me. Like, you know, that I'm just forgetting and I'm moving past it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Oh, and now, yeah, so, so before the, yeah, the visual that, how the, the visual for me is like, I had these like stones and pebble stones of my experiences that I was uh, ignoring by putting them in my backpack. But like, yes. they were still carrying me down. Uh, and 18 months ago, I was like, I think it's time for me to open the backpack and look for what's inside. And what I realize now with uh, by speaking to you is that I didn't simply took out the stones, looked at them, and then put them aside. I kind of extracted myself from the experience inside, uh, looked how it is on the outside, and then kind of, yeah, grew around it. So, like, I'm not, I don't feel uh, almost imprisoned in the experience anymore, because before I was making myself um kind of yeah the the main character or, or the rather the main villain of the experience i took a yeah. lot of blame on myself thinking that something that the experience was there because i did something wrong or because yes. something wrong with me whereas now because i was able to extract myself from the inside of the stone and looked look around it and look it in context of the entire environment that's what helped me to find even more strength and power in myself uh, and what do you want to what do you want to do with the stones now then yeah so a like what i what i feel i like that i've done so far is that i took them and then i painted over them like i turned them into art <laughs> that's how okay it, yeah that's how it feels now i still don't have a place for them though and i don't know do i need a place like do i keep a shelf like this one and then <laughs> put them on the shelf but what, if, but what if you kind of give yourself the flexibility that you can keep the stones at different parts in your in 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 your in the home in in your home physical home maybe in this season of your life the stones belong i don't know on the mantelpiece in the living room and maybe at some other season of your life it goes to your kitchen because it's nurturing you maybe it mm. goes somewhere else or it just remains on the mantelpiece you know yeah. like because those experiences kind of change color and flavor in different parts of our lives, right? So when we are younger, it means something else. And I'm, I'm definitely, you know, closer to 50. So I'm much older than you in that way. <laughs> so I think that is what I have learned is that some of the experiences which, which felt very charged for me when I was mm. younger, now it feels... Uh, I don't know much more hazy like it's it still is an experience and it's still I'm, I'm not happy that it happened yeah but it, it doesn't kind of define me as much anymore yeah yeah uh, my definition is around it now like it's, it's part of me yeah I've incorporated it but it's not anymore the stone that I carry on my back in my on my backpack as if you, yeah. If you know what I, yeah it's there and I you know and it's almost like uh, it is there on my mantelpiece and it continues to stay there for me I look at it and yeah. that's it. You know, it uh, it doesn't do anything else for me. I, I I will not carry it. In fact, 
I know some of the situations where those stones might actually harm me. Mm. So it's almost acknowledging that no, okay, what I'm going to do next is going to be very scary. I'm getting on the escalator. So potentially, my mom's voice of, uh, you know, why did you leave medicine? You know, you you are so ungrateful. Hardly anybody gets into medicine in your pool, in your cohort in school. You know, that might harm me as a business owner. Yeah. Right. So it's almost like just acknowledging that okay, that those thoughts will come. Yeah. It's their job to come, yeah. so I'm not going to resist it. But it has to pass. It has to come through me and pass. Mm. Only then I can move forward in some yeah. ways, right? Yeah. Mm. I think one of the most <laughs> challenging things in that way uh, was not catching all of those thoughts and holding on to them as they yeah. come. Because what I found that I was doing a lot is that. I was overthinking and overanalyzing. I was yes. I was trying to resolve them. I was trying to get down to the root of it. And sometimes, like I I know now, and you put it also so nicely that like I I didn't I just didn't um, connect the word resolve with the experience that I was having. But it's one hundred percent it. It's actually harmful, and I feel like it's. It gets me like when when I'm trying to overthink and overanalyze um, a thought that's that's as harmful as that one in an uncontrollable environment, or rather when I'm not in the room with my therapist, I do myself harm because yes. I fall into something that I am not equipped to get out of on my own. And then, like, I can spend days or weeks or even months sometimes, depending on how traumatic the experience was, trying to work it out in my own head and then yes. getting frustrated that I didn't and that I don't know how. Um, so, yeah, having those um, stones as visible, as acknowledgements, I think also helps in... Um, like acknowledging yourself and the work that you put in doing kind of growing around these things um and also as a reminder that it's okay for those thoughts to come but now we are more resilient and more yes. equipped um to let them just pass through us like not not uh engage in catching the thoughts but just rather yeah. be an observer to the thoughts and be like yeah. this is completely normal thank you for coming you're doing your job i don't oh, know yeah. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> yeah because that's at the heart of cbt also right cognitive behavior therapy i mean that's at the heart what we call automatic negative thoughts mm -hmm. uh, which come up uh, you know and there's a name for that right so we have things like mind reading like you know we, mind reading is an automatic negative thought where everyone thinks i'm an idiot right or we have catastrophizing right which is yeah. if i make a mistake i'll be fired or fortune telling right where if i say yes to this then i will be proven as incompetent mm. uh, and then there is a lot of this also like you know uh, this happens with many perfectionistic kind of you know people as well all or nothing like if i am not x then i'm a failure mm. right there is no yeah. there is no there is no it's very black and white right uh and also like if uh 
I, I know what the other person is going to think. This is another one which clients come a lot. Like if I do this, Rashmi, then the other person is going to think like my mom will think this or my employee, my team will think this. But the reality is, yeah, they might, but most probably like you are telling the story to yourself. So the only way to counter that is to actually test it. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it's, it's usually never black and white. It's always gray. Usually, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then yeah. again, that's the, that's the work we do, you know, I'm sure in coaching and therapy in different ways is reframing that, that whole mm. thing of to make it so that it's helpful for you rather than harming you. And that takes time. Yeah. And that's the reason why I say like, if anybody's promising major changes in three months, be a bit wary because it really doesn't happen. Mm. You know, it does take I mean, at least six months to really get, come to terms with what it is that you're actually, what is at the heart of it, yeah. at the heart of your, uh, you know, your worry about uncertainty, your self-doubt or your fear of failure, your perfectionism, because there's so many layers to mm. unwrap, you know, yeah. and you only by doing, do you actually start uncovering those layers, you know, yeah. unwrapping those layers and seeing what, what, what is inside, what's yeah. inside this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> that's uh, um, all of those things. I like those were one of the first things that I went through with my own therapist because she was like, Franca, you're doing like 11 out of 12 of these <laughs> on your daily basis. And then I needed to keep a journal and like when kind of be aware of when a thought like that comes and then like break it down and see, is this like, is this an actual fact? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and usually yes. it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of kind of you know, and that is the hard work, which uh, you know, which is the the sitting with it and actually unwrapping it and thinking about it. It's uh, yeah. it, it it is it is uh, it's almost boring at times. Yeah, you know, it's exhausting. I, yeah. It feels like a full time job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. If only I could get paid for unsatisfied yeah. expectations, I would be a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because like. Um, when so i started therapy exactly this time last year um and just a month before i become a, a self-employed and the six months before that so from march 2020 to september 2020 i was basically a vegetable i had ptsd from the my life basically for becoming upside down from the mix of pandemic family violence earthquakes all of like everything happened in like three weeks and i yeah. was like i'm done <laughs> my prefrontal cortex it was like shut down <laughs> it was shot yeah yeah yeah, yeah shut yeah. down completely so for the six months uh i wasn't doing anything which was a shock because um, prior to that i was working 16 hours a day for yeah, every day weekends holidays everything then going from 16 hours to zero i was like what do people do with all this time? <laughs> and as I was starting, you know, to um, basically learn how to be a human being instead of a machine and how to start taking care of myself, um, like washing my feet and making my bed and having a routine instead of having every day to be different and chaotic, um, I started to... Um, yeah, kind of unravel all of these things that I was kind of uh, almost guarding myself by. It was like my way, I know that my work addiction was my own coping mechanism 
because of the reasons that I said earlier, I didn't want to have the time to face my demons. And I knew that if I give my brain the time to think, it's going to start going there. And I didn't want that before. But then, yeah, go ahead. But, but I think it's uh, that the, 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 the thing to remember here is that one of the main reasons why we resist, uh, you know, kind of facing to what you say, demons, or, you know, taking the backpack off almost. Yeah. Like, you know, is definitely shame. And I think Brené Brown's work on this is so central, right? So where yeah. shame is the one which keeps us in these patterns of, uh, you know, perfectionism and a lot of self-harm, I would say almost. Not yeah. in a classic, you know, not in terms of cutting yourself or whatever, yes. but just not really honoring what you need. Now, I, yeah. I do believe that if you don't honor what you need, that's a kind of self-harm. Yeah. Right? If, if you keep looking for, you know, what, what the society needs, etc. And I see this even in, in people at in executive level positions who come, you know, for coaching early, like, you know, early startups as well. Like, because I was in the startup world for how many, like eight, nine years now. So many entrepreneurs also are in this mindset where I have to burn the midnight oil to survive, right? Or to, to make this company succeed, etc. And I'm not saying they don't, but it's, it is kind of the, to almost say that they have some needs or they need to rest is like very shameful. And I think, that is something which needs to be acknowledged upfront is like, you know, the shame is really something which is ingrained at a very young age in our lives. Like you have to work hard. You have to get, uh, you have to pass your exams. You have to yes. do well. And if you yes. don't, then, you know, you're a failure. You know, yes. it's shameful for the entire family. If you come yes. from cultures where it is, at least my culture, you know, where it's very collective. So if I didn't do well, it was a reflection on my parents, for example. Right, yeah. and they were not good parents. And that's a lot of emotion to carry as a young teenager, or even when you're in medical school. For me, you know, and so you you kind of just start thinking that you know it's always the highest level of achievement. Yeah, you don't even think about whether you're happy doing it or not, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's maybe so it's a shame of you know that you have how heavy is my backpack is a good yeah. metaphor, and I don't want people to know how heavy my backpack is because <laughs> I'm going to feel judged by it. Like I'm assuming they're going to feel judged by it. Yeah. But actually, like you know, as you will be learning in therapy, and I did in my own therapy as well, is that actually you're judging yourself first, right? Yeah. And so, so, so when you stop judging yourself, you do reduce caring about other people's judgment as much. And for me, that amount of the amount of almost self criticism I had it shocked me. Like when the mirror mirror was shown to me, yes. you know, this is how you're treating yourself, right? Oh. And I and I think that is the mirror I try to show my clients as well. Is like you know what you're thinking others are doing, you're actually judging yourself. Like you know how how can uh, do you really want to be this harsh to yourself? And that's yes. when there is within about two or three sessions, there's an aha moment for them saying that oh my god, like this won't work. Like my company won't succeed or even though I'm in my senior executive position, like I'm not going to be happy, you know, mm. you know, you can be happy. You can be much more in sync with what you like and what you value and still be an executive and still be a CEO, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be in this thing of, uh, yeah, of, of this burden of carrying this backpack and worrying about it, you know? Yeah. Two things come up for me. And the first one is uh, because of these, um, expectation that are conditioned almost upon us, like from the society or from our families, I can uh, say uh, from my own experience that the reason, like my problem is that I don't feel accomplishment in the things that I've accomplished. Like I don't feel joy or pride or satisfaction uh, 
of them or be, and because of them. And I think primarily because they were expected of me. Like my yes, family yes. held the highest standard for me. And because I've always achieved it, the benchmark just went up and up and up and up. And now like everything that I accomplish down here doesn't matter for me because I, I've done it. And then my next kind of uh, thought in error almost is thinking that because I've done it, everyone else can do it and everyone else is already doing it. So it doesn't make my experience and my accomplishments special. I'm not yeah. smart. I'm not intelligent. It's just a normal thing to do. And um, a, a nice kind of helpful, rather visual that my um, therapist helped me with. She said, like, if we have the normal distribution, right? I was comparing myself to the, like, to the 95 to 100%. And I was like, I was distributing, normal distributing those 5% and thinking that I'm at the end of that or at the beginning yes. <laughs> the end of the distribution because I was so, you know, like almost like full of hatred towards myself mm -hmm. because I didn't see what I accomplished. I only saw what I didn't accomplish yet. Mm. Yeah, it's the whole thing of the your worthiness is attached to your achievements, basically. And so it's never enough, like, you know, it's, yes. it's, uh, because you think that, OK, now I've done this, now I have to do the next bit. And I think that changing goalposts is such a common error in our thinking. Uh, you know, we can't celebrate. And yes. so that's the other thing as, uh, you know, you, if you've done coaching, you see that, you know, coaches will force you to celebrate those wins because that's the only way you actually incorporate it into your experience. And so yes. the whole thing is, you know, so for example, today, my question to you is, what are you celebrating by having your first real and raw clubhouse? Mm, yeah, um, uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because I'm a, usually a good student, I know, like, so the issue is, I, I can tell you what I am celebrating now but it's going to come out of my brain, my mind almost. I don't embody what I'm saying to you that like, that I'm celebrating not only the last three months worth of effort towards relaunching this, but my entire journey of the last 18 months of yeah. working towards this point of me being able to start writing online and sharing my experiences because I, what I learned is like um, they are they are all normal experiences because yeah. they are oh, they are ours and we are human beings and just like with that logic they are all normal. We attach shame to them because we don't talk about them and when something's not talked about then it it brings like a lot of bad feelings and it's like we start associating. Uh, feelings of faultiness and shame with yeah. our own experiences and that's why this exists basically that's why we have the real and raw and clubhouse and why there are articles published on the website about to normalize experiences like these and show to others that we are not isolated in our mm -hmm. own experiences like yeah. a lot of people in the world go through them Sometimes even the exactly the same ones because that's just statistical probability. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, 
but kind of my next step in uh, my own work and personal growth is finding rather kind of uh, um, reigniting the connection between my mind and my body. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I often say that I feel like I like I'm a Frankenstein because I I know that my head lies on my body. They are connected by by my neck, but I don't have the connection. Yeah. But I rational like on a rational level, I know that I should be proud of all of these things and celebrate them. But yes. I still don't kind of feel it on the inside and that's something that's uh on on my yeah. plan to work towards. I think this is the concept of what we call as embodied cognition uh, in in uh, in neuroscience, and this is like quite a big part of leadership as well. Uh, you know where, you know, you kind of actually work with uh, very quite you know leaders at all levels, not just you know executive level positions. I would say, or even regular people like you and me. You know, thinking about actually connecting your that's why i asked like how do you feel and you were talking about that anxiety and excitement you know about that feeling coming from your stomach and exploding so you know if you were you know if you're working with a coach who understands that you know that's like magical work where you actually really connect with your somatic embodied experiences and link it to what thoughts are coming up yeah and that is quite a mic drop moment for many people and yeah. uh, and they almost stop themselves like for me when i start getting irritable I know that whatever conversation or whatever decision I'm about to take is not really sitting, is not aligning with my values yes. or with what I want, even though it seems like a fantastic opportunity. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so then I really have to pause. And it, it is very irritating because I wish I could just say, oh, there's a fantastic opportunity. I'm going to get paid this much. Let me just say yes. Right. Yeah. But then I'm irritable. Like I'm, I'm not happy with myself. I'm just snapping at my daughter. And then I'm like, no, this is my body telling me something. And I can feel there's a kind of a tension in my head. Uh, my, the muscles of my upper back are a bit stiff, you know. Yeah. And I'm holding it there. And, you know, and so but this has come really after years of ignoring it. <laughs> so it's amazing that, you know, you're, I wish I had done this at least 10, 12 years earlier in my life, like not in my 40s, you know. So because that is mind changing when we start actually listening to our bodies and saying yes. oh, something is wrong here. You know, but then it's not that you have to run away from a situation. Yeah. But then you you take that knowledge and either negotiate in that situation in a way that serves you as well, mm. or change the the point of view in the conversation. Like you know, there are different ways of almost uh, you know of using yes. that 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 knowledge. I would say. Yeah? yeah. And I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. To anyone else who feels like me, like there's no connection, like it's a one way communication. Like you're going, you're trying to sign in but you can't you're not allowed like there's nothing coming back um i can i could say that for me uh i have a blockage and that's me still not like my my next phase in emdr therapy basically where i will work through my traumatic experiences of being constantly told off and my kind of experiences almost um exclusively with male authoritative figures who have constantly like put you know like shame and feelings of unworthiness and you won't achieve anything in your life down yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. so because i still embody those i don't think i will be able like that's why it's hard for me to tap into 
I, I feel achievement in my entire body, not only like I know I have achieved this in my mind. So for anyone else who feels the same way, <laughs> it's possible, it takes work, but like the important thing to, to know is, being, is to be self-aware about what your blocker is. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Who, who is silencing your own voice or rather whose voices you are hearing instead of your own. Yeah. Um, and there are ther- therapies or other methods such as EMDR, which has helped me immensely um, to um, kind of, yeah, to, to be where I am now uh, mentally.